Welcome to the AfroTalent Accelerator podcast brought to you by Theofane Dima. Embark on an inspirational journey as we delve into the lives of Africa's foremost visionaries. Together, we'll explore the strategies, tactics, and mindsets that fuel businesses across the African continent. From funding techniques to investment insights, we're here to empower your entrepreneurial aspirations in Africa and beyond. Joining me today on the show is an experienced sport industry expert. He is a former athletic professional. He's a multi-investor, a businessman. He equally hosts a podcast and he's above all an African lover. So I want to welcome to the show, uh, Mr. Koroma Leslie. So Leslie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Theo. I appreciate you having me on your podcast and I uh, look forward to our conversation. Uh, the pleasure is us as well. So we in these podcasts at the Afro-Talent Accelerator family, uh, we want to surround ourselves with lead successful Africans all over the world. You know, these people who in one way or the other through the adventures, they bring value to the African community and you are one of them. So you currently serve as uh, the CEO, founder of Africa Sports Ventures Group. And if I actually got it correct, um, the, African, the Africa Sports Ventures Group um, is a company who invests in profitable businesses and leverages the ROI uh, to reinvest in the sport industry in Africa. Did I get it correct? Yeah, that's the uh, that's the main mission and the main goal of our company because uh, we're, we're, the objective is to try to create an enabling environment for uh, an industry which is a multi-billion-dollar industry globally. Uh, one that is projected to reach uh, seven hundred billion by twenty twenty-five, twenty-six, or so, um, quadruple that of um, the entertainment industry. You know, so. In our environment in Africa, we are starting to get there because we'll see a lot of things that are happening right now that will position us to get to that point of uh, actualizing the sports space for it to be something profitable to um, everyone involved, from athletes to um, um, management to investors and everyone. So our, our, our mission is to help to accelerate that, to make that a reality, uh, to be in a position to help um, uh, those who are not capable of um, finding the means um, to leverage sports within the community to do such, to do just that, you know. Um, so yeah, that's what Africa Sports Ventures, what the main focus, like I say, for us is uh, we'll call, we'll pride ourselves and call ourselves a, a sports and entertainment um solutions based company mm-hmm. uh, is a world solution because it's kind of broad based but um we look at every and any opportunity within the sports and entertainment space um to 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 build um and to create uh, opportunities yeah but that's great so but actually before we unpack a little bit more on the vision and the goals of the entire group um i just want you to give us a little bit more background about yourself for the people listening to us today who don't actually know who you are well uh, yeah as you said my name is leslie coroma uh, i was born in sierra leone i'm a um, naturalized u.s citizen as well and um i was like i say a former athlete i have a, a variety of interest in um, different sports uh, but my sports at the time was uh, track and field and um uh, but I also have a strong background in the, in the martial arts as well. And I loved um, um, in any and every form of weight training. So that was, that's, that's pretty much uh, on, on that side of things. Um, but also um, upon, you know, you know, transitioning from being an active athlete as a young man to becoming, you know, a daughter and I've become, I looked at um, when I was leaving sport to look at, uh, the environment ahead to see what could I do to continue to stay in the space, uh, to continue to serve in a sports uh, space. And so I founded um, what I call African Sports Media Network, mm-hmm. um, a com- which is a media company. And I wanted to uh, help to put news out about sports and, and, and um, sporting events that are happening across the continent in, that, in, in, the, in the diaspora at large that involves Africans. Uh, because I found that there was not 
much focus on from other sports media globally uh, about African athletes, except you were really, really exceptional. You were, you know, really making the headlines. And that's the only time they, they really only covered you for me. So it, it mattered at the time that it's not, it shouldn't be just for the top, uh, top of the, the cream of the crop in, in a sense. Um, for those who get COVID, I think this is about the entire ecosystem, making sure that any and every uh, sporting um, product, individual um, event uh, was being covered. And so uh, in the process, uh, we started a, web a website back then, it's, it's almost two decades now, mm -hmm. um, and um, to provide daily news content. And um, you still find that uh, daily news content at africansportsmonthly.com. Mm -hmm. uh, African Sports Monthly is a, is, a, is a metamorphosis of what I had started in the media space because in 2010, I attended the FIFA World Cup, the very first World Cup in Africa, in South Africa. And uh, during that time, I had a vision to start um, a comprehensive sports magazine which covers all any and every sports discipline because uh, I think at the time, uh, before then, there was uh, a soccer magazine mm -hmm. and just a soccer focus magazine, and there was no focus on any other sports discipline. And in order for you to have a thriving sports environment, you need to open um, the doors wide open to all opportunities. Sure. So not everyone can play soccer. Not everyone will play soccer. Mm -hmm. And in fact, if everyone was to, there will be limited amount of people who will have the exposure. And we can see that in the statistic of how many people, of how many top-level athletes or soccer players that played in, in, in the European League, so within Africa itself. So we wanted to diversify the environment by providing content and access to information on other sports disciplines like basketball, like rugby, like uh, track and field itself, which is um, considered the second most popular sport discipline on the African continent. Mm -hmm. And, of course, cricket and, uh, you know, baseball, all these other sports disciplines out there which are, uh, lucrative um, sports disciplines that young um, kids across Africa can look at mm -hmm. and say, okay, well, this is what I want to do. So we founded African Sports Monthly Magazine. Um, uh, it's been an up and down uh, situation with that publication, mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's there regardless. And uh, we, uh, we, we, we operate uh, the website, like I said, it's africansportsmonthly.com. Uh, it's now a daily news uh, website and uh, you know a magazine magazine website as well, so you can find all the content, yeah, including the podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. That, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, concerning the the the, po I mean, just to mention the fact that um, you know, apart from the African Sport Monthly magazine and the African uh, Sport Media Network, you are actually also uh, hosting and uh, providing free content and inspirational interviews as well. Uh, in your podcast, the Africa Sports Report, which I personally encourage each and every listener today to go get on all streaming platforms. So, um, but I just wanted to know, Leslie, um, how is actually the acceptance of all these ventures in the African uh, sport industry? So how have the local authorities actually welcomed these uh, initiatives from your own part? Well, you know, uh, I, I get I get a lot of, um, I have a lot of connections with uh, a lot of folks in the sports space and uh, do have uh, quite a bit of following in the sports space as well. People that follow the, you know, the stuff I do and the content that I put out, including the podcast. The podcast and the, and the website and all these other products, they're all part of one entity, in a sense, um, and, uh, because it's uh, media and uh, we put out media, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a magazine, whether it's daily news um, that is on the website um, and some other stuff that we do, you know, we're working on um, some documentaries as well. Um, so these are all part of one product. I mean, one, one, one basket of stuff that we put out, um, to engage not just, um, um, the audience in Africa, but also sports fans globally who have, who want insight into what's going on in the African sports space. So, um, how are the authorities embracing that? Well, I can, I can say for one thing, uh, in 2020, when we hosted our very sports, our very first sports conference. Uh, with Africa Sports Ventures Group, um, we had a massive participation from um, stakeholders in the sports space across the continent, including um, the 
current um, president and incumbent in the current elections in the Liberia, President George Weir, who also happens to be the only African footballer to have won the uh, FIFA Player of the yeah. Year award uh, back in 1995. He was our keynote speaker at that um, at that event. Um, and, and, and by the way, that was the first, very first ever sports conference in Africa yeah. for Africans. Yes, in, in history, and we were really surprised that there was it was the case. But yeah, well, it was, and so we we were we're proud of the fact that we were able to be the pioneers of opening the doors in terms of um, engaging the audience and audience and stakeholders and industry insiders um, in 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 conversations as of course we were putting mm -hmm. in a set they call conferences, and so we also had conference. So there, there, there's there's an embrace of what I do. There's an embrace of what we do. Um, but then we're looking for next level engagement in terms of how do we impact um, local ecosystems from uh, Sierra Leone, where I come from, to Nigeria, mm -hmm. to Liberia, to Ghana, to Cameroon, to Kenya, uh, to Egypt, to Morocco, to South Africa, to all of that. So for us, that's the next next phase in terms of um, trying to gain that foothold in, 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 in engaging. Obviously, I'm not the only, we're not the only ones that are providing services. Obviously, there are others out there mm -hmm. who are interested in this space, but we we, are, we focus on what we do, you know, and uh, so we, 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 we try to put out what we are able to put out and um, and um, try to explore and, and push um, the narrative as far as providing content, mm -hmm. providing insight, providing uh, information and all of that about... Um, the sports industry and those uh, the stakeholders that are in the sports industry. And I believe also, you know, creating visibility for the local um, sport athletes, the amateurs, because I believe that also the, the African sport industry in general, uh, mostly, most of the times focuses on, you know, those who have attained the professional level, but uh, in the amateur uh, uh, levels, there are a lot of talented uh, individuals, a lot of um, key actors who could also be given this visibility through such ventures. So um, you talked about impacting the industry in Africa. So just could you please share some concrete insights, maybe uh, a situation which you went through throughout this your journey on some specific challenges which you came across in developing this idea in the African continent? Uh, there are a variety of things um, that we have uh... Uh, been involved in and that uh, we have been doing and um, trying to actualize or actually change um, uh, the narrative. Um, or, and, and so some of those involve, um, first of all, the, the lack of um, information, insight, and of course, the lack of funding in, 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 in the sports space. Um, in 2022, uh, we launched what we call the uh, Project 144, which is um, uh, schools basketball pro program, which um, we held the very first edition in the island of Cape Verde. Um, for us, that's um, that's that's massive in many respects because of the fact that um, uh, you know we know there's uh, the NBA has come to Africa. They do have the Basketball Africa League, but for it to succeed uh, long term and have a sustainable uh, uh, background baseline. A foundation you will need um, for um, the sports to be uh, embraced by the community. And when I say the community, we're talking about um, everybody within any and every community across the rest of Africa. Every small town, every small village, every, every city across Africa needs to get immersed in what we call a basketball culture. Mm -hmm. And um, so in that regard, we started Project 144, which is for schools. Um, and for me, that's the foundation for uh, any, any for any sport to develop and grow. You need to get to um, to go to uh, where, where, where it should take hold. Once the kids are into it, they're immersed in it. The parents will be immersed in it. The communities will be immersed in it. So that's how it works. Mm -hmm. That's how it cascades. Mm -hmm. So we start. We're, we're proud of the fact that we 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 launched that and it took off successfully. We're working on the second edition currently to get that off the ground. Hopefully next year sometime we'll have the second edition and will be and that will be streamed live as well. Mm -hmm. We were very proud of the fact that we were able to stream it globally. The event that we held in Cape Verde, we were able to stream it globally. We're looking at currently engaging several more countries 
um, in this next edition that will come together for uh, us to have a, 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 a great event um, in, 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 in the next edition in the location that we're currently working on. Um, we'll be announcing that location by um, sometime early in December. And uh, we'll let uh, we'll let everyone know about um, the next edition. Okay. So what we are actually uh, trying um, throughout this uh, Afro Talent Accelerator podcast is also to really go concretely in uh, detailing the experiences of our guests in the entrepreneurial journey. So just taking this example of this um, project one uh, one and sorry one four one four four sorry. And also the events which you are currently also preparing, the first edition and the current uh, preparation. So can you please maybe walk us a little bit through? So how is it like to do business in a country uh, in, in Africa with this regard uh, in Cap Verde? Um, what are your first approaches? Like if someone wants to, you know, organize a similar event, maybe in another industry, uh, in the African continent or in any or, or this country, for example, um, what could be the first steps maybe to, 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 to start thinking about contacting the authorities, you know, having to know uh, or having some people locally who are locally based in order to control activities. I mean, some concrete uh, challenges and, and, and steps which you think you could share. Well, first of all, you, you, you're going to need um, um, a local presence. You know, you're going to need partners on the ground. When I say partners, you're not, not talking about people who are, Necessarily working for you, but working with you, because this is this is the this is the crux of the issue. You know, you need to have people who are working with you, who are vested in what you're doing, because it's a benefit to them as well. Uh, we don't want to get it twisted in the sense that, oh, you're doing this just for I'm doing this just for me, or it's my vision. Therefore, it's you know, no, you have to have people that buy into what you or. or, or bringing to the table and that there's a need for that in that community you know that people in that community needs um they want they want to access to this type of stuff they want the exposure to this kind of stuff and they need to be involved and they, when they involve uh that's the first step in 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 making sure that you're going to be successful and those partners you're going to have on the ground uh should be totally completely vested in 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 the whole program individually on their own terms, as well as alongside with you, mm -hmm. you know. Um, otherwise, you're not gonna you're not gonna have the um, the the foundation and the support that you need to to grow and grow beyond this. Um, and then after that, then you can start to talk about uh, registration of um, your 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 concept, your program, your product, or whatever it is. Um, to be uh, legit within uh, those those communities, um, and before you you start talking about um, even like event hosting, uh, these these are all monumental um, programs that um, um, really um, require a lot in terms of uh, finance financial mm -hmm. a financial base as well as the logistic uh, base as well. Um, so. That's pretty much, um, uh, those are some of the, the, the things that you have to look at in terms of initial challenges mm -hmm. um, to, 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 to launch and host an event. And if you don't have a committed team, um, both on the outside and in the inside, uh, it's a, it's a problem. So I mean, Definitely. I mean, um, yeah. you, I mean, I really resonate to what you're saying concerning the committed team, a team who, who actually uh, is able to connive with your vision. So in this regard, how do you actually find or get to to build such a team? Like concretely, um, how do you find the people who are able to really adhere to your vision? Most of uh, such, um, you know, um, I would say founders or entrepreneurs, uh, I just take, for example, an entrepreneur who lives abroad. It could be in the U.S., wherever. And he has little or no knowledge about the, the local, uh, um, the culture, um, how people actually think. Because uh, I always try to tell people that when you go somewhere else, try to understand how the people are actually uh, uh, thinking. So in your own opinion, how do you actually build such a team? How, how do you find these people? 
Is there maybe a platform or how did you go about it? Well, for me, it's second time to build a, the, a relationship with people across um, the continent. Obviously, my um, being in media, um, doing media over the years um, has helped a lot in terms of building connections, relationships. Um, so naturally, it became sort of an easy thing to to reach out and say, hey, um, can we have a conversation? And um, uh, look at certain individuals to say, okay, can I talk to this person? You know, um, not all of it can be, you know, all rosy and productive as such, but for the better part, I'd say 70, 60, 70% of the time, these are successful, successful outreaches. You, you reach out to these people, explain to them what your vision is and um, see if they feel uh, their vision, your vision aligns with their vision. And then, you know, you guys can, can pick it up from there and then uh, start to do something together uh, collectively. Um, but to find individuals or people who are within certain spaces um, and, and, and actually get them to see and to align the vision along with yours, uh, it's a tall order. Uh, like I said, sometimes it's successful, sometimes not so much. Um, and then, of course, you have local politics involved as well. Um, so you have to factor all of that stuff in, you know, uh, who is this person that you're talking to? What is their stature within their community? Uh, what is their uh, influence and, and connections and all of that? And how can they, as an individual, leverage um, what you guys have and use that to uh, grow within the, you know, the space that, um, um, that you intend to car carve out for you, for you, for this program, for this product, for this uh, um, um, situation that you're trying to put across. Uh, not easy, like I said, but it, 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 uh, it, it's um, most times very successful. And it can be slow and painstaking. Sometimes you come in with, um, um, with the exuberance, the excitement mm -hmm. of what you, what you, what you, what you, what you're trying to do. And then, you know, reality sets in and, um, got to put the, put the brakes in a sense or so put the, start to step on the brakes a bit in terms of slowing down and say, okay, um, I'm going to work within, with this person's space. Now the spaces can be different space for someone in Zimbabwe. So for someone in. South Africa, for someone in in Egypt, for someone in Ethiopia, they all vary. They all they're all different. Mm -hmm. And then of course there's changing the changing fortunes. Someone might be very close to the uh, powers that be in, in that in that in that in that country, and then things might change. And then you know that person is no longer as highly favored. So so the, the, these things happen. So. Um, but you you don't you, you don't you don't you don't switch gears because somebody's fortunes change. You continue to work with them and they work with you to try to figure the next step in terms of the way forward. Because every environment is different. Mm -hmm. Every political situation within all these environments are different. Economic situations are different. Um, conditions are different. Um, every every ecosystem uh, has its own uniqueness about it. And you, on the other hand have to blend and work with as many people as possible to try to get everybody on the same page, be on the same page. We work, like I said, with over 20, 30, 40 countries and um, it's not the easiest thing, but you can do it. Mm -hmm. The only demand I would say is once you have this much amount of bandwidth in terms of how many people that you're connected to, that you're working with and working uh, alongside, you know, with um, then challenges on your time in terms of connecting, relating in, you know, you, you got to take a call from someone from Kenya, you got to take a call from someone from the DRC, mm -hmm. you got to take a call from someone from Angola, you know, all these are demands on your time and then you don't want to appear as if you are not interested or are you too busy for them and because it can be, it can be interpreted as disrespectful and so, um, you do your best to stay uh, even keel at the same time um, meeting those demands. But if you miss a call, 
you make sure you you return their call. Mm -hmm. If you miss a message, you make sure you return them. You know, you, you text that person back. Uh, and thank God for technology. It's it's made it's made a lot a whole lot easier. Mm, sure. Uh, would this have been possible in the eighties and nineties? Uh, I doubt that. <laughs> it would have taken a little bit more time. Yeah, well, not only taking more time, but more, way more resources. Oh, sure. Because imagine making a phone call back in the early nineties, right? Yeah. From Africa, any any country around the world, how much that would cost? Mm -hmm. Nowadays we have WhatsApp, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And WhatsApp is you don't pay, you don't pay nothing except your your own phone bill that you pay within your own community. Mm -hmm. um, your phone on. And then you have WhatsApp, which is pretty much, you know, um, uh, voice over IP and whatever, text over IP and all of that. So it's made things a whole lot easier and much more doable mm -hmm. than before. And the internet has been a clear what we're trying to get to and uh, what we'll be announcing in a short space of time. If you want to work directly with the AfroTalent Accelerator team and receive personalized coaching or feedback on your investment project in Africa, don't hesitate to reach out to us today. Apply now on our website at AfroTalentAccelerator.com or send us a direct email at info at AfroTalentAccelerator.com. Join our community and be part of the movement driving Africa's entrepreneurial success stories. Mass, massive blessing for oh, yes. doing, doing business across the world. So, I mean, I'm really glad that you're touching this technological aspect uh, because I'm kind of interested as well. In your experience, you know, for having all these 20 plus years uh, doing business, investing in Africa, in multi uh, industries, and today with your expertise in the sport industry, um, I just want to know, do you think, um, I mean, just share a little bit your thoughts on how you think uh, technology or the, the, the technological advancement could uh, help uh, also, you know, increase and develop more and more the entire sports ecosystem in Africa? Or do you think, on the other hand, refraining my, my, my question, do you think the, the industry, the way it is now, does uh, enough and uses enough the resources, um, you know, which the world is uh, making available now? Or what are your thoughts on that? Okay. So first and foremost, I come from a tech background. Uh, my um, uh, initial... Um, job that I had in America when I, I had uh, decided to um, retire from being an active sportsman at the time was in the tech space. I had worked for Compact Computer Corporation uh, back in the 90s and um, going into the early 2000s. And so I have a background that started back then within the tech space. So and I thank God for that because that, uh, that helped me a lot and it's helped me a lot through the years. Uh, with all my exposure in the tech space and then transitioning to working for the state of Texas in the same capacity as a tech guy. Um, and so through the years, you know, or, or the, the experience on the job that I had, the exposure to technologies that um, I wouldn't have had otherwise because I wouldn't have known if I hadn't been in the industry. So it exposed me to a lot in terms of software, hardware, um, all the stuff that we were looking at that was at play in terms of developing the internet. Um, and the, the services that were being provided through the internet to um, consumers out there uh, from what we now know today as, um, you know, um, um, like the Amazons of the world, mm -hmm. uh, e-commerce, um, uh, and, and a variety of different types of services, you know, that, that, that I play today. Um, the beauty about what we have in Africa, because obviously we, we, we see how um, with this technology, and we know definitely um, if we had had to go through the old way of installing technology across Africa, uh, we would still be back in the Stone Ages because obviously, imagine setting, uh, you know, um, trying to wire the rest of Africa with copper wires for telephone, mm -hmm. for telephone lines, mm -hmm. right? That would, that would have been you know, not only the, the massive logistical investment, but also um, the resources that would have had to go into that. So, that was a limiting factor for communication for most of Africa. But today we have the most massive penetration of um, uh, wireless devices across the rest of Africa, cell phones and tablets and all of that. And that has allowed the average person on the street to be able to pick up a line and call someone from across the ocean. Um, and so it's made things a lot more similar. So what that, what that has done for, for the rest of Africa 
in the sports space is uh, allow us to leapfrog um, into um, we, we're jumping from one stage in in maybe uh, jumping past three stages of development that we would have had to go through to get to that next level and keep up keep pace with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's helped us massively. Um, and so there are unlimited on, on opportunities in the sports space having to do with, you know, for example, media, where I, where I started off in, um, and, um, and um, of course, with athlete training, um, with um, um, database um, development for in the sports space, uh, and so much more. You know, there, there's a whole lot. Now, there's a convergence between sports and the tech industry, which is going on in the, in, in the advanced countries. And obviously, Africa doesn't have to reinvent the wheel. Africa just has to look at what's being done mm-hmm. and the leapfrog, use, use, um, uh, use best case scenarios. And uh, in this case, uh, best practices, which is my favorite quote, quote that I came up with. Uh, best practices anywhere is, be- is best practices everywhere. So you mm-hmm. use the best practice what's been done technologically in other parts of the world to help boost and move the sports space to where it needs to be um, in terms of um, um, reaching the consumers. Now, we've had a situation in Africa where um, from the 90s coming into the early 2000s, um, the sports space in Africa couldn't keep pace with the, the demands of the audience or the fans. And so most of the fans, African fans, turn to uh, European content. Mm-hmm. And so we find that most of our, our sports fans are fans of European football leagues, um, which um, um, basically it's, uh, they've immersed themselves and they've, they're deeply entrenched in our communities. And, but most times what, what we've come to realize is um, for sports to really, um, you know, reach the... the the stage that, it, that it, it has to reach or be of impact to local communities. It needs to be, yeah, there has to be an inward focus. There has to be a focus on local content, you know, local sports leagues, local sports events. Um, and fans have to be vested in that. Local fans have to be. Um, the only avenues we had at the engagement was only at the stadiums. Mm-hmm. Even though stadiums, it was very difficult to fill them up because when you would have a typical football match in, in a typical African city and that uh, football match may be say going you know um, had had a, t- a scheduled clash with say a Manchester United versus Arsenal then you have a problem mm-hmm. because most of those young boys and, and fans across the continent will rather go to some local sports bar or local uh, shit where they will be showing this match to go watch that Manchester match instead of going to the local stadium. Mm-hmm. So we, 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 we've, we've had to, we have, we've had the problem of losing out on that over the years. And this was some, some of the stuff where we were, I was advocating many, many years back. I see a lot of people are jumping in the bandwagon now, which is fine um, to tell this, uh, to, to, to preach this, this message, to say we have to, to have to be able to get African fans to um, have an inner focus, inward focus, mm-hmm. What's uh, happened on the continent? Because that's the only time you truly, really get the benefit when you have a local inward focus. Then it has um, an impact on the local ecosystem, whether it's with the restaurant, mm-hmm. whether it's hotels, whether it's with um, um, you know, say sportswear, sportswear manufacturing, which some local you know entrepreneur might come up with something for the local league or whatever you know. Um, and all those start to take all that all that stuff will start to manifest itself because it's only when you have that inner focus. Mm-hmm. Those leagues need to be profitable. The only way they can be profitable in each environment, mm-hmm. right? First of all, those stadiums need to be filled up. Mm-hmm. Secondly, um, you need to be able to take that content not only just within the stadium, but to the rest of the country. So if you have a local football match happening in Monrovia, Liberia, um, at the stadium. Um, not the rest of Liberia will be able to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. might be capacity. Other people might be interested. And in how to do those other people who might be interested that don't have access to the stadium, how do we how do they follow mm-hmm. yeah. How do they follow up? Either through audio commentary or through you know video or 
whether it's streaming or broadcasting. Okay. So how do you bring that content to the homes of everyone in Liberia when that match is being played in the stadium? They can only hold um, 60, 70, 80,000 people at the match. Mm-hmm. So how do you trans- how do you how do you how do you create that environment where when that one single match is being played, the rest of Liberia is focused on the on that particular match? Mm-hmm. These are the dynamics that you have to look at. And what what technology has allowed us to do is at this stage it's made made it a lot more cheaper, a lot a lot less seamless to take that content and deliver it to uh the millions of fans out there who may not have access to come to the stadium mm-hmm. but want to see the match. They want to see it live as it's happening. They listen to the commentary if someone cannot watch it watch it on live on TV or on their phone mm-hmm. on a tablet. You know, so so these are the in terms of what um, technology has done to help Africa leapfrog to where we are currently and will be going to, um, these are the things that you, we need to look at. These are the things that need to be looked at. These are the things that need to be harnessed, mm-hmm. uh, to be leveraged, to um, to take it to, 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 to allow the ecosystem to grow. The ecosystem, local ecosystem has to grow. Sure. Look, I can always say nothing against the European leagues, but how much impact do those European leagues have on the local economies within Africa? Yeah, sure. Within the is what they're being shown. Yeah, I mean, those, those are really uh, good reflections. What really stepping down and really taking time to really <laughs> to really think about it? Because uh, when I was growing up, for example, you know, like if I'm not mistaken, maybe eighty percent of the youth at the time were all soccer fans, and. Um, I couldn't really name any local soccer uh, team or any local soccer uh, player. But most of the times, we knew more about our local talents whenever they were were signed in any major league out of Africa. And this is really sad. I really get your point. Well, I I would say sad, but I wouldn't say sad too at the same time. It is to the credit of the um, those who have created leagues and sports products in, in the advanced countries uh, for them to understand and know that you know um, for you to have impact, you need to of course cultivate what you call a fan base, and that fan base translates to viewership and. Um, but for you to do all of that, you need to put the necessary ingredients in place to be successful at what you do, which is, first of all, to have a magnificent sports product and then um, then the, the, the necessary um, stuff that kind of um, um, surround that, the media ecosystem, the um, uh, fan engagement, merchandising, and all of that. All that has to be, those are all part of... Um, um, a sports business, and that you everyone has to contend with. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't do these things in isolation. You know, um, like you say, you know, back in the day, uh, yeah, people in in, in the eighties, nineties, everybody used to know their local stars, and it was like a fun thing to do. And then all of a sudden, uh, TV, satellite, and all this stuff came in, and uh, people were able to sit at home in Africa through a satellite um, network and be able to watch uh, a European match, whether it's La Liga or the, the EPL. The EPL was the first one to copy the models, the model of the Americans um, from the NBA and NFL um, uh, playbook. Mm-hmm. And so they, they took they took what they had. They already had a followership already from the years past through BBC Radio, which was basically always broadcasting, whether it's in live commentary, or giving daily updates and scores on BBC Radio, um, people follow that religiously, and then eventually, from radio, transition into live viewing, and people just jumped on it. And because satellite came in, and then you know you had the establishment of uh, DSTV, uh, multi-choice in South Africa, mm-hmm. which basically <clears throat> became a, a media rights holder, and they started carrying these matches, and so people. From radio and um, transitioning into live viewing, people got consumed by it, and so that's why I wouldn't say it was it was sad because this is the only time that people actually started to then see. They would hear about the European stars, the South American stars, American stars, 
you know, Asian stars, and all of a sudden they were able to see their own amongst them. So obviously those guys became um, endeared. They were they became well known. You know, the the Droba, the Ayatures, the 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 brothers, and, and, and you name it, mm-hmm. because now you can see them live in in, in real time in, 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 on screen in front of you. Was on the contrary within our continent, Africa, you know, um, those who are responsible for sports and even um, um, within this, the public space, we didn't. We've never had a private the private sector um, in, in in the sports space. Well, this is what we're developing. This is what we're working on. Mm-hmm. The private sector side of things, and so we've never had that. So you can see that we are like light years behind. But it's all it's all possible for us to kind of play catch up now and uh, kind of leapfrog a lot of stages that we would, would would not necessarily have to go through. We just leapfrog to the next stage and catch up with the rest of the world with technology. So, sir, but that's a beautiful so, so do you think that uh, this catching up, uh, one of the major uh, accelerators, I would put it this way, could be maybe, you know, increasing uh, the funding opportunities in the entire industry or on your own part, point of view, maybe you think uh, it could be more like, you know, developing their look the, the actors who are actually uh, acting in this industry all of the above mm-hmm. the the funding has to be in place um in so that there will be investment um in local leagues um then obviously how do you take that there will be a lot of um i would say there's a there's going to be a lot of um uh, seismic changes and things that um, have to be aligned um, for all this to be to make to have meaning. What I noticed, obviously, is everybody wanted to jump on streaming and all of that. Uh, before you know it, you have a crowded space, mm-hmm. and there will be no specific focus on um, what people are trying to sell. And and when that happens, then you're not going to be able to leverage the industry. You're not going to be able to do that because obviously you having if you have 30, 40, 50, 60 streaming service and everyone needs subscription, then there's a problem. Mm-hmm. You start to divide, you start to divide an audience already. And before you know it, the audience gets to a point where it's like, um, they don't, they reach a, what we call saturation point and then they reach a point of, uh, uh, nah, this is, this is too much. Yeah. Well, I gotta do this in Point of satiety. So, yeah. So, so it will see that in the Western world where, there's been a lot of what we call the streaming wars, right? The streaming wars with the Netflixes, the Amazons, and this and that. And there's so many different services out there. And then where you have customer, you know, consumer fatigue now with um, all these offerings. And then people start to get um, really fed up with that. And because obviously, and so basically people are returning to the old system where um, where they, they had cable, cable systems where you had, content bundle mm-hmm. on the one mm-hmm. side. So you have uh, direct TV or have 50, 60, you know, 100 channels. But the point is, everything is bundled on the one. You pay one subscription and then you get access to all of this content from these different providers. And so people can now choose what they want to watch. But if you have all these actors out there where everybody wants to provide a streaming service, a streaming platform, or we're streaming this, we're streaming that, yeah, you're going to have a niche audience, but you're not going to have a profitable um, a margin on what you're providing mm-hmm. because obviously you don't have the population that needs to be on what you're doing. You don't have, uh, so until you start with, until we start to bundle, come together on the one platform, uh, one or two or three platforms, then you have a problem. Mm-hmm. But people definitely given, especially in Africa, given the, the, the socioeconomic environment uh, where we have a limited middle class, um, there's uh, definitely going to be a problem with that long term. Mm-hmm. I say not even long term, medium, short, medium, and long term. Um, so we need to rethink very solidly on how this content is being delivered to the audience for us to be able to captivate the African audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, as I'm talking to you, they're, way, they're ready, getting ready to host the. Uh, the Africa Football League, which is Africa's Super League, uh, Football Super League, uh, they're getting ready to host the finals in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, FIFA president is down there right now. So I'm talking to you today, Monday, uh, November 13th. Um, they're getting ready to host that. 
Now, that is an answer that if we feel in Africa will be in terms of us competing for interest uh, with the European and American leagues and Asian leagues, etc. Because we've been left far behind. Mm -hmm. and so we feel like it's something to kind of position African uh, football clubs um, for starters, um, for audiences to get on and follow what we're doing. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, sure. So now um, that's the, the, the first thing in terms of engagement. Um, where is that content going to be at? Uh, what channel is it going to be on? Uh, where is um, the next Basketball Africa League, um, which is the next big thing in Africa, uh, season going to be on? Uh, people want to follow all of this content, right? Um, but if it's, everything is all over the place and they can't find it and people are struggling to find it, guess what? They lose interest and go back to what they used to know, yeah, which is go back to European leagues. Follow the European because it's easy to find yeah. them. It's easy to find them, right? So we start to have all these issues. I mean, that's where, so that's like, where. sorry for, for diving a little bit in here. And that's where I, I really see the value of uh, all these ventures which you are putting on, you know, the, the magazine and this entire ecosystem you're trying to build at the end of the day is to create this visibility for all these products. Exactly. Not, that's that's our, our, uh, our goal at the end of the day. We want to help to see how we can bring all necessary parties together. So... We can have a, a collective platform. And I'm not saying this to say because I'm advocating this for myself as a as an entrepreneur, as a business. And I'm saying this because realistically that's 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 what you look at. You gotta look at um, consumer behavior, you gotta look at the market, you gotta look at what the ecosystem is, you know, and how you can leverage that ecosystem, how much you can people afford. And in fact, as we're talking, streaming is really not a major option in Africa right now because of the cost of um, data on the continent and the infrastructure itself is not so strong in delivering streaming content as yet. But it's not that the, we're looking at the future, we're not looking at now. So we're projecting for the future. So we look at how Blockbuster, I mean, uh, Netflix started back in the 90s. Streaming was not even an option. People looked at them like they were crazy. But guess what? You you fast forward twenty years on, Netflix is the number one streaming service in the world, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you look ahead, you project. Now you don't you don't look at now. Now is you building the foundation for what's coming. And five years down the road, people will think, okay, wow, okay. So this is what we're doing. You know, in terms of the kind of platform that we're building, um, we see, like I said, we see a lot of actors jumping up, up and down all over the place trying to come into a space. That they don't even understand, um, um, but because they see the opportunity to make money, uh, it's like a gold rush. The people rush in regardless; they don't care if they die. If they die in the process, they just rush in, you know. So um, that's where we are in, in terms of the development of uh, sports space and how what technology means to it. It's allowed us to leapfrog. When they leapfrog, we have to basically calculate and estimate and pace ourselves in how we leverage and build foundations for the future we're not building for now a lot of people are focused on the now mm -hmm. what they can get mm -hmm. that's the wrong approach i mean that's great i really think that that's the real right uh, approach you know investing now and getting the fruits uh in the future and i think like i was also talking with a friend of mine a couple of uh, months ago and we were a little bit talking about the startup ecosystem euro and we actually came to a conclusion after really analyzing the evolution even the, the Europeans really, you know, they really got this idea, this 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 system a little bit later, because America started with investing. You know, you mentioned uh, really good examples like Amazon um, back in those days, and these are companies which actually we, they really saw the value after a couple of years, 10, 20 years, and mm -hmm. the European also, you know, they are also engaging more and more. There is a growing market, uh, you know, private investors, business investors, and uh, angel investors, and so on to accompany the institutional investors. And in Africa, how do you actually think um, this entire ecosystem is? I mean, maybe you just share your thoughts on the state of the arts now and how you think maybe it could evolve in, in the next um, years. 
Uh, well, we have the biggest upside in Africa as far as um, leveraging uh, what we have right now uh, to provide, uh, you know, uh, for example, one my company is how we position. We position for massive success five, 10 years down the road and even, even 10 times more tremendous success 20 years down the line because we are, we, we've, we've harnessed um, the things that need to be harnessed to build a foundation for, for the, you know, providing to meet the needs of what would be um, the largest youth population in the world. What is already currently the largest youth population in the world. What would even be 10 times more uh, the largest youth population in the world because it's already projected that by 2050, one, one in every person, one in every four person in the world will be African. Mm -hmm. By the turn of this century, by the turn of this century, one in every two persons in the world will be African. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, so go figure in terms of meeting the needs of those people, right? All that population right there. I will not be here the next <laughs> by the turn of this century, um, but we will leave a legacy in terms of what would be there for uh, people to access sports content, um, entertainment content. Uh, through our platforms, mm -hmm. because that's what we're building. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're not, we're not, we're not just in, 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 in you know, whatever with anyone out there. We, we, we know we, we have a solid foundation and, and a solid background and solid, solid understanding of the space, and we know what we're working on. I've seen a lot of people, like I said, coming over the years. I used to worry about those little competitors coming in and thinking, oh, they got they come in, and then in, in a short space of time, they fizzle out. Mm -hmm. Short space of time, they feel like because they don't have the vision, they don't have the foundation, they don't have the, the understanding, the deepest understanding of what um, the industry is truly like and what the African ecosystem is like and how the transition or the, the development is unfolding, you know. Um, and so, you know, um, five years down the road, this ecosystem will be 10 times diff more different. Yeah, sure. By 2050, Africa will be right there alongside with the rest of the world in terms of pretty much anything, I will tell you that, mm -hmm. for free. Because mm -hmm. it has allowed us to live from so much that we will be right there at par with the rest of the world, mm -hmm. right? And so, and based on that, that will be at par with in terms of uh, technology and so much more, all the, all, the, all, the, all the trappings of technology, whether it's streaming, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, um, software development and so much more uh we will be at power with the rest of the world but now now what the difference is is that we in africa will be even better positioned because we'll have a consumer base mm -hmm. that has all of this unlike other parts of the world where they have older population dwindling populations and not so much young people who are more focused on what we are doing sports and entertainment mm -hmm. we will be at the top of the hip in terms of where we want to be. And that's what we're leveraging. That's what we're pushing for. That's what African Sports Ventures Group is pushing for, you know? So, um, so I mean, I, for, those yes. who, for, those who are, for those who are looking to invest in the company of the future, African Sports Ventures Group is that company for me personally. I'm saying that because I, you know, I'm not only a founding believer in that because I know I've been in this space for over 20 plus mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. I know I've come, I come from the very, very baseline of understanding behaviors, situations, uh, geopolitics, the socioeconomic environment, the cultural environment. I got all that down. That's why I consider myself an expert in this business. And people who know me know I'm an expert. In this yeah, business. sure. I'm just looking for those um, able partners who are looking for someone to work with. Uh, to leverage the, the industry across the continent. Got it, got it. So what we are going to do is we will link every valuable uh, link in the show notes, um, the link to uh, the Africa Sports Ventures Group website, um, the link to the African Sports Monthly Magazine, African Sports Media Network, of course, a link to your podcast. And yes. uh, But before we actually wrap up, because I just want to be conscious about the time here, there is a lot we can still unpack and one can really see how um you know how um attached you are with your subject matter and how 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 full of expertise you are as well so uh, but before we actually conclude i'll just like you in one or two sentences give you know just share 
a piece of advice with a young African out there who is trying to make it in life, who's trying to maybe uh, embark in an entrepreneurial journey. It could be in the sport industry or in any other field. Just share one or two thoughts which you think could be of benefit. Um, the first word I will use is patience. Patience is a virtue. Mm -hmm. um, Rome was not definitely built in a day. It's taken me years to be where I'm at. And, and I'm not saying it's going to take somebody else years to get to where they need to be. But the environment is definitely different. Um, and the opportunities that one might be exposed to, we all have our own, you know, individual uh, advantages and disadvantages and connections and whatever. But um, keep in mind that it will take time to build anything of value. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to turn, I'll tell you the example of an, a massive ocean liner as a massive ship on the ocean versus a speedboat, it takes few seconds to turn the speedboat around, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It takes possibly hours to turn a massive ocean liner around. Uh, I use that analogy because if you're building an ocean liner of an idea, a massive, a massive venture, it, it, it takes time to, to get to where you want to get to. If you, if you, if, if it's a small, um, medium enterprise, uh, nimble, small, yeah, it might take a short time, but in terms of what you're looking at, the overall picture, you know, if you don't have a big, bigger picture in, in, in view, that's fine. I mean, you, 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 you could try to move as fast as possible. But um, I believe in patience. I believe in um, uh, the fact that, yes, you have to understand that it takes a good number of ingredients to, to put a business together. The understanding I have today versus the understanding I had 10 years ago uh, 20 years ago about the business and the business environment um, and why the way I operate is so much more different in the years the experience and the patience has led me to where I'm at so now for me it's only about I'll say cashing in and moving things forward mm -hmm. and that's where that's the stage I am but like I said it's it, it, ta it takes a lot of patience and, and but it also takes a lot of perseverance Got it. you hear this a lot from entrepreneurs who will tell you, um, don't give up. Mm -hmm. Truly, don't give up. Persevere. It gets darkest before it dawns. Mm -hmm. Oh, great! You'll experience, you'll experience darkness. Definitely, you'll go through times when you experience challenges and you feel like throwing in the towel. Oh, don't do it. Oh, great! Don't do it. Yes. You just you got you got you got to stick you got to stick with it. Sure. Stick with it. Till the light, till the light, till the light breaks through. When the light breaks through, it's a whole different environment. So, so you got. So I mean, uh, sticking to it till the light comes. I mean, we'll actually, um, you know, round up with these words of empowerment. Thank you very much, Leslie, for giving us your time, for sharing your story, sharing your entrepreneurial journey and giving us these valuable insights. We just want to be a little bit conscious about the time here. So, um, but before we part, I made mention of the fact that I'm linking every uh, valuable link in the show notes. However, I just wanted you to, you know, give us, if there is a place where people can get to know more about your journey, what will this place be? Well, uh, first of all, um, you'll find me on Facebook, Leslie Coroma. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll find me on um, uh, Twitter, what now called X, mm -hmm. uh, Leslie Coroma, at Leslie Coroma or Leslie P. Coroma. Uh, you'll find me on LinkedIn. That's where we mm -hmm. met, uh, Leslie Coroma as well. Uh, you'll find me on Instagram. Um, so all these are mis mishmashes of uh, my story, my, my individual uh, narrative. Uh, but then of all places, you'll find my, my biography on Africa Sports Ventures Group website, which is africasvg.com, mm -hmm. www.africasvg.com. Um, or you can follow our our, our website, uh, Newswood, Daily News and Magazine website, African Sports Monthly, mm -hmm. which is www.africansportsmonthly.com. That is africansportsmonthly.com, mm -hmm. one word. Um, or you can follow my, my podcast, which is the Africa Sports Report podcast, which is on all podcast platforms. Um, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, 
iHeartRadio, Spotify, yeah, you find it in everywhere. Um, and, and through that, I'm able to you know talk about industry issues and things that are having to do with um, uh, growing the African sports space. Thank you for tuning in to the AfroTalent Accelerator podcast. Don't miss out on our upcoming episodes where we continue to bring you inspiring stories and actionable insights from the forefront of African entrepreneurship. Subscribe now to our show to stay updated on the latest and be sure to reach out to the AfroTalent Accelerator team to share your thoughts, suggestions and collaboration ideas.